Welcome to Living Water Worship Center. What a great privilege it is to be able to worship our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We count it a mighty blessing that you have taken your time today to spend a little bit of time with us as we share with you the Word of God. This is Pastor Kip. It is definitely an honor to be able to speak with you today. And we would like for you to come and attend some of our services that we offer to the community at Living Water Worship Center. We're located at 58 Clyde King Drive in Bladenboro, North Carolina. Our Sunday morning services start at 10.30 a.m. And our Sunday evening worship service starts at 6 o'clock p.m. Our midweek service is offered to the public at 7 o'clock. And I believe that if you come, you'll find something that you never had before. It's our heartfelt prayer that today, as you listen to this broadcast, that you'll take away something brand new, something that you'll be able to apply in your life and overcome a situation, an obstacle that you've been trying to overcome for a while. And if you could find the mighty deliverance of Almighty God, and also that you will go away changed and not be the same person you were when you tuned in to our broadcast. Without any further ado, let's go on into our worship service already in progress, and may God bless you today is our prayer. We will never be the same in Jesus' holy name, and the church said amen, amen, and amen, and give God a good hand clap. What a blessing it is to have all of you here today. Amen. Amen. God is a good God. Amen. All the time. All the time. He's an on-time God. He'll show up right when you need him to show up. Amen. He's here when you don't even know he's working. When you don't see it, he's working. When you don't feel it, he's working. When you're mad at him, he's working. When you're upset with him, he's working. When you lost your faith, he's still working. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need to raise a hallelujah every morning. We need to stand in the threshold and raise up our hands and yes. let God know yes. that we know he's got us from the front, the back, to our left, the right, top, and the bottom. Amen. So we don't have a thing in the world to worry about because God's got us. And if we do die, we're going to a whole lot better place. So what's the problem? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in Joshua chapter number three today, but I'm not going to read it because I wind up reading it twice. I'm going to read it and go through. I have a message to the Lord from the Lord to you today. And I hope that you'll take a few little notes and you'll receive some help here today. Our church has been in a situation where the Lord is trying to get us to possess our promised land. And our text in chapter number three of Joshua, although it was written thousands and thousands of years ago, is applicable to today. It is a, 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 a word that once you read it and you begin to see it, you can apply it to your life. You can apply it to yourself as an individual. Not only do you apply it to yourself as an individual, you can apply it to yourself as a people. You can apply it to yourself in whatever race you come from. Whatever race do they say you're a part of, I think you're just a human race, but everybody else likes to break it down by color. But I believe you're just a human race, but this is applicable to us as a people. And it's also applicable to us as a church, but more than that, it is applicable to us as a nation. And I believe that this is a message that once it is released out on uh, the um, internet and people hear it, that it will change the nation yes. because the nation today needs to be changed. Amen? Yes. We're picking up our text today in the nation of Israel as the children of Israel has been 
in Egyptian slavery and bondage for 430 years. They had not owned anything. The nation didn't have anything to call their own for 430 years. So many of us think that we have it tough, but if you own anything, if you own anything, then you got it better off than what they had it. For 430 years, they had been in Egyptian bondage, and they were brought out. You know the story. They were brought out of Egypt. They were brought into the promised land. It was 11 days after they come out of the promised land that they came to the place that they're going to be at in this chapter, in a little place there, and God said, go into your promised land and possess your territory. And Joshua, Moses sent out some, uh, some spies, 10 spies, and two spies came back and said, yeah, those people are there, but they are bread and fish, bread and meat for us. We can go in and do it. We can take it. We can override it. We can come and take it. Everything's going to be okay. But eight of them said that these folks that were in this territory, they were too big and that they had too much power. The cities were so large. And because the people would not obey God, you hear what I'm saying? Because the people would not obey God, they wound up in the wilderness for 40 years. And... 17 times in that their 40-year period of time, they came right around to the same very spot that God asked them to go on in and take their territory, 17 times. And every time that they would come to that spot, God would ask them again, are you ready to take the promised land? And they didn't have the faith built. And God would look at them and say, take another lap. Go around one more time. Right. Take another lap. Some of you hear on the sound of my voice today, you're in a process in your life that you're constantly taking laps. God is wanting you to break through and cross Amen. over. Yeah. And the minute you get to where you think you need to go at, you look at what's on the other side and you're fearful of what's happening over there and you're comfortable with your comfort zone right now and you'd rather live in the wilderness than to live in your promised land. But praise be to God that after this 40 years, the, the, the generation that rejected God, uh, disobeyed God, they died out and a new generation was coming. And for 40 years, they had lived in transition. They had left from Egypt and they had lived in transition. Everybody say transition, transition. Now we're picking this up that Moses has died. Tell your neighbor right beside and say, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Say it again. Say, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Now, that is a spiritual truth that you must grab a hold in your life because it is not the law and your self-righteousness and how good you are and what you do and all this stuff that allows you to get into the presence of Almighty God. It is not the law that purifies you. The law is a letter of death. It is a covenant of death. You are guilty of breaking the law, and the law has penalties, and you must pay that penalty. And Moses now in your life is dead. Everybody just say, my Moses is dead. And I want you to just tap that right beside you and say, when are you going to have the funeral? When are you going to have the funeral? The corpse is in the funeral home. He's been sitting there. He's been waiting on you for uh, decades. Uh, he's starting to stink a little bit right now. And you need to get out there on the grave side, boo-hoo a little bit, and have a little bit of grieving time and bury Moses and get over him. Amen. Moses is dead. And they are transitioning now from one leader over to another. They are in a state of grieving. They're transitioning not only from one leader to another. They are transitioning from one state to another. They are transitioning from one place to another. The whole nation is in transition. This church is in transition. 
Your race, as you would call it, is in transition. The United States of America is in transition. I want you to know that transition is a tough time and a tough process for you to live in. Amen? So everyone's in transition. So everyone here today just didn't say, I'm in transition. That's going to help you out a whole lot because a lot of times we want to possess stuff when we're in the season of transitioning. And God is transitioning us. Let me give you a definition for the word transition. The word transition means a, a process or a period of time that go, you go through changes. Just tell your neighbor outside, say, everything's changing. You go from one form to another form or from one state to another state, from one condition to another. The word transition literally means you go across. You cross over. Right. You go from one place to the next. Right. As you're standing in the transition, you can see what's behind you, but what's behind you is dead. Just tap that beside and say, your past is dead. Your past is dead. And what lies before you is miracles to be made, victories to be won. The what is laying before you is the blessings to perceive and to grab a hold of what waits before you is God himself leading you in his presence and in his guidance and in his anointing. And God is wanting to jerk you out of what you have been in and bring you into a place flowing with milk and honey, so many blessings that you'll have to give it away. And in that territory, it's yours but you got to fight the habit and you got to dispossess what's in it so that you can possess it. And every army of God that needs to rise up, every Christian needs to join and realize that they were drafted in the army of God and you are on active duty and you are on the front lines and it's time for you to take back your territory. So when you're in transition, things change. Everything changes. The word change means that there is an act or an instant of becoming different. Right. Everybody just say everything's different. Everything's different. Preaching is going to be different. Worship is going to be yes. different. Just coming in here and sitting, I don't care if you five or 105, you can still stand up and honor the God that gave you the breath and the blood to get in this house. You don't have to have nobody ask you to stand up. You need to rise up and praise the Lord. You're not that dead and you're not that broken, that broke down. You walked in the door. You can stand up and praise the Lord. Amen. Your worship is going to change. Everything's going to change. In transition, you are not standing still for a long period of time. You are moving. I preached a message not long ago and said, whether you know it or not, you are moving. So slap that beside it and say, you're moving. You're moving. Now, I tell you what, I'm still moving. It's been over a year now that I've been moving, and I'm getting upset with it. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting aggravated with it. I want it over with. I've told Tina over and over again, I want this over with. I told her that. I said, I don't care what happens. I'll hire 25 people next week. But by the end of next week, I'm going to be moved. I'm getting it over with. When you are in transition, you're moving. And when you move, you change places, you change position, and you change states. When you're moving, you throw away some stuff that you don't use no more. Right. Some of you need to get rid of some of that garbage you got in your house. <laughs> right in here. Some of y'all need to throw away some of them attitudes that's held you in the, the circle of the wilderness over your life. You move... Though whatever is necessary for you to live and for you to survive. 
You move what you need to be able to live the next day. And some of those things that you need to move are heavy for you to move. And some of those things you need some help to get them moved. Amen? So if you're moving, you better realize that you're in transition. Everything's going to change. You're going to go to work a different way. You're going to go to church a different way. You're going to go to bed a different way. You're going to go in and you're going to live in a different room, in a different location, in a different state. Your neighbors is going to change. Everything's going to change. Everybody just holler out and say, I'm moving and everything's changing. Amen? Transition is not only a place of change, it's a change, it's a place of transformation. And transformation is something you really need to understand. Transformation is not really a process, it is a dramatic change in form and appearance. Look at that right beside me and say, I won't recognize you in a year. Because you're going to be transformed. Be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of you in a year are going to think different than you've ever thought before in your life. You're going to praise the Lord different than you've ever praised Him. You're going to worship Him different than you've ever worshipped Him. You're going to study your word deeper than you've ever studied it before. You're going to pray harder and longer and more intense and more effectual than you've ever prayed before. God is going to bring a transformation into the church and He's doing it with some drama. God is a God of drama. That's what transformation means. It is a dramatic change from one form to the other form. And the word drama means it is an emotional and an unexpected series of events and a series of circumstances that causes you to have to change. Bless him, God. Smile at that right beside and say, whether you want to or not, you're going to have to change. I want that to sink in. Whether you want to be stubborn or not, you're going to have to change. Whether you want to pay your tithes or not, you're going to have to pay your tithes. Whether you want to come to church or not, you're going to have some events and some dramatic things that happen in your life that's going to push you into the door of the church. You can rebel all you want to and give any excuse that you want as to why you can't come into the house of the Lord. That is your reasonable service. That is the least thing that you can do for a God that gave His only begotten Son His love and His entire life for you. That's the only thing God says that He really requires of you is to join together with like minds. He said that is the least thing you can do for me and we need to realize that if you don't do that willingly God said you will do it unwillingly and things are going to happen in your life so dramatically that it's going to push you to where you've got to change a lot of times in our life before we change anything we wind up pushed to the point where we need to change a good wise preacher that used to live in Tabor City North Carolina said this he said that at the foot of the cross or at the worst situation and the dark, deepest and darkest hour in a man's life stands the cross of Calvary. That preacher Nance was a pretty wise fella. He was pretty good when he said that there. The Lord blessed him and gave him some wisdom because it will take you hitting the lowest point in your life That's for right. you to look at the cross of Jesus That's Christ. Right. Amen. As long as you think you can make it on your own, as long as you think you can live the law, as long as you think you can control your life, as long as you think you can take care of your health, as long as you think you can do better, you will never look at the cross. But when you're pushed into a situation where you got to change, you'll realize that the cross is the yes. only way that you can cross over from one state to the next. The cross is the only thing that contains and holds what it's got inside of you that you need to grab a hold of the faith and the power and the strength to rise up in the middle of werewolves and hell coming against demonic 
devil's coming against you. All of that stuff that hell had for you. And to rise up and flex your Holy Ghost muscles and walk from one place to the next and say, okay, God, I'm surrendering all to you and I'm moving forward for you. Thank God for the cross. Thank God that Moses died but the cross was erected. Thank God that Moses died but more than that, thank God that Jesus took me to the cross and he killed me too and he carried me in the grave and he went down to hell and he got the key to death, hell, and the grave and he come up out of that grave and ascended up to heaven and sat down on the right hand of God and was exalted and glorified and sent his Holy Spirit and his angels down here to help me see the cross because that's all why we're here today and that is to see the cross, amen transition requires you to adapt to some things thank you Father God Adapting to things means you become adjusted to new conditions. You begin to be adjusted to making something suitable for a new use or for a new purpose or you modify it so that it can get accomplished the purpose now that you're beginning to walk into. When you lose a family member that you love with all of your heart, your life changes dramatically because you'll never get over that person that has left you here on this earth, but you will adjust to life without them. And it takes some time to adjust in life. So transition means that you're changing a lot of stuff, you're moving a lot of stuff, you're throwing away a lot of stuff, but on top of that there, you're having some emotional, dramatic changes that are hitting you and you're being forced to have to change. And once you're forced to have to change, then you got to adapt to the new right. way of living and the new purpose of living in your life. Amen. That's right. Sometimes modification are costly and they're time consuming. Sometimes it takes a long time to change you. God's been trying to change some of y'all for a long time. God been trying to change Stan for 60 some years and he's soon getting to the chance where he can change him. Amen. Yes, amen. Not only Stan but every person in this house yes. God has been trying to change us. Amen. Yes, he has. Things now because we're in transition have to be adjusted to fit into a right. new way. I got to adjust Betty a little bit to put her in the right place. Yes, you do. I got to adjust Tim a little bit to put him in the right place. Yes, amen. I got to adjust myself to get in the right place. Yeah. I got to adjust the things that's happening new so that I can take people that are coming into the amen. church and use them in a new way for yes. a new purpose and the way God wants it done amen. in this hour. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Transition means you are changing from one system or one condition and one situation to another. Just look at your neighbor right beside of you and say, everything's changing. But what we don't know, what we don't realize is that transition is God's tool to bring about a metamorphosis in you. Because you ain't going to change on your own. That's the truth. As long as everything is hunky-dory and everything's working wonderful and you ain't never sick and you don't never have no pain and you're paying all your bills and you got a job to go to and you got a wife or a husband that loves you and you got friends that you can call on at any time in the waking hour, you ain't going to go seeking for God because you start putting your heart and your trust in man. If you got a doctor that's helping you, you'll run to the doctor. If you got this woman over here that's listening to all your boo-hooing and crying and all that stuff and patting you on the head when you acting like a witness to 
treated you like you a man and all that stuff, you'll run to that woman. But when you ain't got no woman and you ain't got no wife and you ain't got no husband and you ain't got no church and you ain't got no friends you can depend on, the only person in the world that you can depend on is Jesus Christ. And in that point, God has got to bring about the situation so that you can experience a metamorphosis. Praise God. A metamorphosis is when you change from one form to another. And God needs to transform his church. The Bible says right now that the church today has a form of godliness and they deny the power thereof. But God has said here in 2022, I am going to begin to transform my yes. church. I am bringing my power back yes. to the church. And that Bring dead, dry wire of the, the yes. form of godliness, I'm putting it on. Yes. And I'm going to shut that hypocrisy out of the church. And I'm going to fire my church up one more yes. time because the church Thank is going to possess their promise. Land, and we're going to do it quickly because God's ready to come and bring his church yes, home. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The transition also means that a shift is occurring. Everybody say everything's shifting. Say it like you mean it. Say everything's shifting. When things are shifting, you got to switch a little bit. You got to start acting a different way. You got to start talking a different way. And when you are shifting and you are switching some things, you began to adopt a brand new way of life in your life instead of the other way. You discard the other way because you are moving in a brand new territory, a place you ain't never been before in your life. And God is wanting this church to step out into the water and began to experience a experience that we've never experienced before in our life that the church itself has never experienced. He said that the glory of the latter house yes. will be greater than the former Thank house. You, God. God is ready to do it and yes. he's waiting on you and he'll keep you in transition until you allow him to bring about a metamorphosis on the inside of you and change who you That's are. Right. So everybody just look at somebody and say, I got the change. Now Israel was in transition and today so is America and so is Living Water Worship Center. And my job as your pastor, as your leader, is to adapt to what that change is and to help you to learn how to adapt. And I want you to know it's not going to be easy. It's going to be kind of tough. It gets hard for everybody to adapt to things because we're so used to it a certain way. Israel here now have had Moses dead. They have been relying on Moses for 40 years and here they have had every meal that they've got at the hand of Moses. They've had all the water they got at the hand of Moses. They were delivered out of Egyptian bondage by the hand of Moses. Moses was the one that went and talked to God. And Moses was the one to come back and said, Thus saith Almighty God. Moses was the one when there was a problem, he went to God and he got instruction. And he came back and he told him exactly what God had to say. Moses was the one that went in and effectively and successfully changed them and transitioned them from Egyptian life to the life of being a people under the call of God himself. Moses was the one that led it all. He was the one that organized the church. He was the one that sat down and put elders and brothers and deacons over all of the problems. He was the one when there was a major issue, everybody came to him and he was the judge. Moses was the man. Everybody holler out and say, he was the man. But now the man's dead. He's gone. He's gone. Moses is gone. A new leader has arrived. 
God said, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of time. You're going to have to be able to mourn him. I want you to get it out of your system. I want you to cry, boo-hoo, have all the complaints you want to complain. I want you to just grumble at me. I want you to get upset with me. I want you to run me down. I want all this stuff. But you are going to have to mourn Moses. In other words, God said, I buried him so you won't worship him, but I want you to have a funeral. And God has been calling this church to have a funeral. Yes, amen. And realize that Moses is dead. Moses is dead. I'm going to say it again. Moses is dead. But effectual and successful change and transition requires more than you just coping with change because the goal is not for you just to get by. God does not want you just to get by. God wants you to live a life that is victorious over every one of your enemies. He wants you to get enough of strength and power and faith in your life to where you will step out across the threshold and you will go into your promised land and you will face every giant that there is in your life and you will wipe every giant that there is in your life. He wants you to be so completely 100% delivered that every castle and every stronghold that those giants have built in your life, you will light the holy flame of the Holy Ghost against him and burn it down into powder. God wants you to be so free that literally nothing can come into your territory and you can walk above the devil 100% in your life. God wants his children to be free living in their territory, ruling their territory and having the joy of Almighty God in their life. Amen. Now I want to share something with you before I go on. Transition and change is completely different. You need to understand that because change is defined by the situations that happen on the outside of you. Things change. Your brother dies. Your aunt dies. Your mom dies. Things change. You get a brand new pastor. Things change. Things are changing. Change happens about the situations that's on the outside of you and the occurrences that literally come in and they impact things. They impact you. They impact businesses. We had to change with COVID. That's our external situation. It's a change. And literally, that happens on the outside of you and outside of your body. And you must learn how to adapt to the change that is going on on outside of your body. Now, one of us, when we got change that's going on, the first thing we do is we open up our mouth and we start complaining. That's the worst thing that you can do in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and 4 that the wholesome tongue is the tree of life, but the one that has perverseness in it, it is a breach in your spirit. And every time you complain, everybody holler out and say, every time. Every time you complain about anything, you have a breach in your spirit and the devil comes flowing in. I hope I can help you here this morning. Amen. Change happens on the outside. Change creates in you a need. And it creates in you the need that you got to move. Just look at that right beside me and say, you're going to have to move. My God, dummy, you can't sit there when everything's changing. you got to get up and you got to move. Now, the need to move uh, brings about you because sometimes there's a new boss that you got to go to and report to every day. There's a new job you're going to have to go to. There's a new relationship. There's a new pastor you're going to have to learn and you're going to have to understand him. There's a shift in policy that creates the need in you to change. And adapting to that change requires uh, some flexibility. I want you to just look at your neighbor, smile at them, and say, I'm flexible. Somebody just lied. A lot of you ain't flexible. You want it your way. And if it ain't your way, you ain't going to get involved in it. But in order for you to change and do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. You're going to have to learn to live without some stuff. 
You're going to have to learn to give up a little bit. You're going to have to learn to surrender all to Jesus Christ. You're going to have to learn to go to the cross when every time you can turn around and get there. Well, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. You're going to have to learn to have your schedule change. You're going to have to learn to get your talents changed. You're going to have to learn to be changed from one location to the You're going to have to be flexible. You're not going to get what God wants for you in 2022. Holding on to Moses because Moses is dead. That's right. My Lord, can I preach just a little bit this morning? Amen. New challenges, new circumstances, new uncertainties, they'll make you change. And they'll make you accept the change. So there are things that happens in your life that makes you change. But many of you will change and then you'll argue about the change. <laughs> well, I'm all in y'all's business this morning. But when you get to the point where God is doing that metamorphosis on the inside of you and he's changing stuff, and when you do make the change and you reach the level that you don't grumble about the change and you don't argue and complain about the change, that's when God is about to transform you into what he needs you to be. Just look at your neighbor right there and say, Lord, help my tongue. I don't want to complain no more. See, the church is in a bad situation because God is trying to change it and the church is arguing. The church is so, well, if I got to do this here, I'll do it, but I don't like to do it. I don't want to sing them type of song and I don't want to do this and I don't want to come to church on Friday and I don't want to come to church on Saturday and I don't want to come to church on Thursday. Who ever heard of going to church on Monday and on Thursday and on Friday? I want to go to church on Sunday. And me, see, the church changed many decades ago when most churches only have a service Sunday morning. Now we got Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday, Thursday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday and everybody sitting there saying well I don't want to change that way I'm not going to change that way and some of us that has changed that way we are arguing about it well I got to go to church today I got to go to church tomorrow when we finally reach the idea that we are going to accept the change and change without any arguing God said I'm going to bring you into a situation you've never been in in your life Amen. let me talk about transition just a little bit transition though uh, different from change is transition is internal. Starts happening on the inside of you. It, it, is, it means how you move successfully from the old to the new on the inside. It's how Katrina makes up her mind on the inside to change, not the outside. You can make your body do anything. But a lot of us have trouble uh, making our spirit and our soul fall down to our spirit. We have problems getting in line on the inside. We'll have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Oh, my God, I'm preaching so good. Lord, it'll help you all so much if you'll listen to me today. Transition is internal. And there's a lot of things that happen in transition. Number one, in transition, you've got to accept that something has come to an end. Amen. Everybody holler out and say it's come to an end. Amen. Then slap that right beside you one more time. If you got to shake them a little bit, wake them up and say, Moses is dead. Moses. Boy, I wish I could preach on that for about 10 years because everybody needs to hear it. <laughs> and once you accept the ending, then you go into a neutral zone where you're standing at the threshold and you're waiting for the attention from God, the word from God for you to move forward. And then the third phase of transition is you walk in a brand new beginning. 
This is the year of a brand new beginning. This is the year where God said, I'm going to take the house of God and I'm going to light it back up with my glory. This is the year that God said, I'm going to pour out my blessing and I'm going to make my blessing complete in the house of God by bringing a brand new beginning. I'm starting a brand new era in the house of Almighty God. And in order for that to be done, I have got to transition you and get you to accept some changes. Amen. So Israel, in our text that we're going to read here this morning, they have realized that they have come to the end of an era and Pastor Moses is now dead. He was a wonderful pastor. He was a good man. Yes, Boy, he knew the word of God. He had a good relationship with the Lord. Boy, he led me. He carried me out of a whole lot of situations. I'll tell you what, he delivered me. He judged in my behalf and he stood up for me. He fed me every day. He made sure I had the finances I needed. He took care of my needs. Oh, they said he was a wonderful pastor. He was a great pastor. He was the best pastor I had ever been under in my life but oh my god he's dead now what do I do when everything I have depended on is dead God had to get Israel to the point to where they could accept that Moses is now dead our text said that in the original language now Moses is now dead now Moses is now dead. In the original language, it said, now Moses has come to an end. Just slap that right beside me and say, it's come to an end, girl. It's over with. Now you got to accept it. Now, for you to accept the ending, you got to first let go of the past. Uh-oh. Boy, y'all see what type of job I got it laid in front of me. Oh, yeah. In order for you to accept the ending, you got to let go of the past. There you go. That's a hard situation for a whole lot of people, amen. There you go. Because what it requires from you is you got to be honest and you got to be authentic. You got to be real. You can't keep putting up that front that you blessed of the Lord. Where does you got to let everybody know that how this thing is affecting you is affecting you, and you got to be real. I am waiting for the day that I finally meet Mary Braddock. I know a Mary Braddock, but I do not know Mary Braddock. I am waiting for the day that I finally see and understand who Pat really is. Right. I've known Betty Ratley for some 20 years, and I still don't know who she is. Right. That's right. We got to learn to be honest and we got to be authentic. We do. You got to admit to yourself that change has occurred. Yes. That things is different now. It is. Moses is now dead. It's over with. You got to get up the power and the strength and the courage to have a funeral. That's right. Because he ain't coming back. He's dead. dead. It's over with. He ain't coming back. You got to accept that change. You got to be authentic and you got to be honest. honest. To every person, you got to be honest. But first off, you got to be honest to yourself and you got to be honest to God. Amen. You got to go before God and say, God, my whole life now has changed. Yeah. I don't know what to do, where to go, how to do it. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to call when I'm in trouble. I don't know what I need to do to straighten out my finances. Moses took care of all of that. Mama took care of all of that. Daddy took care of all that. I got to grow up, and now, Lord, I'm before you. What we going to do next? Right. Help us, Lord. Amen. So God gave Moses 30 days to grieve. Everybody holler out and say 30 days. 30 
Say it again. Say 30 days. Say it one more time. Say 30 days. Some of y'all been grieving for 50 years. God, this is the greatest pastor that has ever lived on the face of this earth. And God said, I'm going to give you 30 days to get over it. To adjust. I'm going to give you 30 days to get your life straightened back out and get ready for me. Some of us have been having a funeral for a long time. Some of y'all have been sitting out there on the graveside boo-hooing and the body ain't even been put in the grave yet. Some of you has gone far enough to bury the body and you put him in the grave, but you're spending all your time in the graveyard. <laughs> Lord, I wish I could help some people this morning. If I'm helping you, just raise your hand like this. Amen, yes. Bless him, Lord. Yes. So now Moses is dead and God is trying to get them to accept the fact that he's dead and now they're going to be beginning to move some things and God is beginning to try to change their attitude and get them to the point where they're not judging the changes yet. Right. Hear what I just said. God is trying to get them not only to accept the change but also to keep, to keep them from judging the change. How many of you changed because you had to change in your life? Let me see your hand. Hold your hand up. How many of you argued about that change when you were changing? God is trying the best to get them to the point to where not only do they realize that there's a change, they accept the change and they don't argue about the change. That's a hard job to get across. Because he's got to deal with your attitude. Slap down the side and say your attitude's got to change. That's the biggest problem in Janice in the church right now is everybody's attitude. Well, if I don't go to church today, everything's going to be all right. If I don't pay my tithe this week, then God's going to richly bless me and my finances are going to be perfect. I'm going to pay all my bills. Everything's going to be wonderful. If I don't ever pay my tithe, then the Lord's going to take care of me. That's the wrong attitude. God said if you don't bring the tithe to the storehouse, that you open up a curse for you in your life, and it will come in and it will literally destroy you. Bless him, God. We got an attitude and the devil has told us a lie and we have begun to believe that lie and now we will argue that lie to the day that we die because we're not ready to give up what has ended and God is saying your attitude has got to change and you got to get to the point where you quit judging the changes. Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. It's going to be different and it just might be better. It's going to be different and it might be a whole lot better than you could even imagine that it's going to be. Uh-huh. Now, the second stage of transition is the neutral zone. It's when you get into the most uncomfortable stage in your life you've ever been. I have been in the neutral zone for six months right now moving. And it is aggravating the life of I'm thinking, Thelma, every day I got all this I got to do. It's going to take me all this. I got a building and a new house that everybody left there and they left it full of junk. They ain't got no place to go store anything right now. What am I going to do with it? I got furniture in three different houses trying to get furniture from three different houses to another house. I'm in a neutral state and it is so uncomfortable. Everything's in confusion. It is a wonder to God that I am matching up here today because I don't know where nothing's at. I'm in an uncomfortable stage. I'm in a time of confusion. I have been living without a clear ending in sight. I don't know when I'm going to be able to move. I don't know when it's going to be over with. Even if I get everything packed up and I get out there and I get everything over there Monday, it's going to be days and weeks before I get it all in a certain place because every time, and I love her, but every time I think I'm going to make a move, she decides she's going to change something else in the house. My Lord! It's an uncomfortable situation, living without a clear ending. 
You don't really have a clear new beginning. You know a new beginning's happening. I've changed my address some six months ago. I'm having to drive 14 miles to go get my mail. My God. I don't have a clear new beginning. I know what's coming in the mailbox every morning about 8 o'clock, right. but it might be five days down the road before I can get over there to get the mail. My Lord. That's living in an uncomfortable state. So what that tells you is when you reach the neutral zone, you can expect that everything's going to be uncertain. Did you just hear what I said? Everything's going to be uncertain. You cannot expect to know everything. If you expect that you're going to know everything, you're going to literally mess up. You can't expect for everything to be perfect in your life. And in this neutral zone, what you got to do is you got to look for opportunities so that you can move forward. You got to look at what you had and look forward to your new possibilities. And there in that unclear, uncertain state, you see that you're going to have to have a new beginning, but you don't know when you're going to have the new beginning, and you get frustrated because you don't know. I'm going to tell you what, I've lived with pain for 22 years, 22 years every day of my life, getting up and out of the bed four and five and six times a night not sleeping good at all I'm telling you I know a brand new beginning is coming soon I know it's coming soon I see it but it's uncomfortable while I'm in the neutral zone waiting for God to fully 100% deliver me and I've got to learn how to hold on to his faith and not judge the situation and say God you're going to bring me through one way or the other amen man I'm preaching pretty good some of y'all need to get so happy here this morning thank so the first stage is that things has ended. The second stage is you come into a neutral zone. And the third stage in transition is you begin to reach for your new beginning. Mm. Everybody just say, I'm about to have a new beginning. God is about to give you a fresh start. A brand new vision. A brand new move. He's going to use your past to move you in faith. He's going to reach back in your life and say, you remember when you were in this situation and no man could help you. No doctor could help you. No government can help you. Nobody could come in and deliver you. And somehow or another, without you even knowing it, you were brought out of that situation. That was me moving in that situation. And God is going to take the past and make you move in faith, believing in him. Joshua chapter number three is entitled by one man, the river of impossibility. But I want you to know, everybody remember what I said impossible means? It means I am possible. But I want you to also understand that that river in Joshua chapter number 3 that is called the river of impossibility winds up being the river of him possibility. God will carry you over the Jordan. God will carry you over in the promised land. All this job of transition that we've been dealing with and all these stages that we're trying to get to, trying to get Pat and Betty and Janice and right. Tim and everybody to accept that things has ended and changes are happening and accept the change and not judge the change. All of that stuff is going on and it seems to be an impossible task for any man to get done. But I know a God that is possible. With God, nothing is impossible. I I know that God can reach down and yes, change yes. Nets mind. I know God yes. can change Everybody say I'm about to have a, a fresh start. Fresh start. Amen. Woo. 
Do you have any of them impossible rivers in your life right now? Is there some things in your life that you haven't crossed over yet and it seems like it's impossible for you to do that? Do you have them? Well, God wants to talk to you here this morning and let you know that, yes, you can cross over that river, but you've got to have him with you when you do so. Now, 30 years earlier, Joshua and Caleb had told all of the children of Israel out there that the promised land was there. In fact, their words was 40 years ago, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, let's go up at once. Oh, y'all ain't got no conviction. Look at someone and say, we got to get up and go now. Go up at once and let's occupy it. Because we are well able. Mm, we are well able to overcome it. Everybody hold your hand up and say, I'm, I'm well able to overcome it. Change in your life. Yeah, it's tough. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to accept. But look here, look here, look here. God said that He will allow allow any temptation to come upon you that is not common to every man. And with that temptation, He will give you a way of escape. He said, As your days are, so shall your strength be. My God said, There ain't nothing impossible with me. If there is a river of impossibility in your life, you need to realize that the promised land is there waiting for you you to rise up yes. and to go up and to occupy it because you got everything you need inside of you to overcome it. Just smile at that person right beside and say, you're a lot stronger than you thought you were. Mm, praise the Lord. Moses' 40 years of ministry to these people has now come to an end. Joshua is unproven by man and also by God. Within this chapter is a wealth of information on how you as a child of God begins to possess your promised land. Now for months I have told you in this church that God said that we were standing on the threshold in the promised land. And now God is going to tell you step by step how you're going to be able to take your promised land this morning. I mean, really. Can you just imagine... Joshua having to step in and take it over Moses' position. And he's leading these Israelites down to the River Jordan. And they all know that the River Jordan is flooded. There's no way into the promised land except for going through the river. Can you just imagine a hundred and a thousand Betty Ratley sitting over there and say, I don't know what Joshua's doing here. He knows I can't swim. Can you just imagine that the way that they had been following the Lord by the pillar of a cloud by day and night, that all of a sudden that's gone and now they're having to be led by a different way and how many Thelma Worms was sitting back there in that crowd grumbling and arguing and saying, I don't know what that Josh was up to. Can you imagine what these people were thinking when Joshua stood up and says, God has called me to be your leader and I'm going to lead you into the promised land and Joshua has done nothing but carry Moses' staff. He's not proven. He don't know. God has not talked to him during the life of Moses. People hadn't seen God show up on him and the lightning of God come off him like they did in Moses. 
He's just another old killjoy blood. And now he's the leader. He's unproven in their eyes. And now God is going to use this guy that is unusual, this guy that's unproven, and lead them into the promised land. I'm going to tell you what, there's something to be said when you take a man or a woman of God that has been preaching for 30 or 40 years and you put them behind the pulpit to lead a church, you got a certain comfortableness on the inside of you that he or she knows what they're doing. Amen? Amen. But you take a brand new person that's never preached one sermon and you put them behind the pulpit, you're sitting there on the inside of you so uneasy and full of anxiety and don't know if he's going to mess up in the first service or not. Right. Because it happens, don't it? Amen? So this is a tough situation. Moses is leading, the, I'm sorry, Joshua is leading a crowd of people that has no faith in him at all. The only thing that Joshua has, if you look back at it, God has removed the pillar of the cloud. The manna has stopped. Joshua don't know how he's going to feel with these six million Jews. The only thing that he's got is, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. All he's got is a promise. And in our life, that's what we got sometimes. All we got is a promise. We don't know how it's going to do. When we're going through transition, we don't know what change is. We don't know what is going to happen, what's going to go on in our life. The only thing we got is God said, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And we got to hold on to that one unchanging promise and stand up and allow God to deliver us. Amen. Amen. Can you just imagine that situation? I wonder how many of them six million Jews standing out there at the River Jordan looking at the River Jordan flooded like it's flooded and every one of them saying, well, I can't swim. And how many of them was reaching over there to grab a couple of stones to take Joshua out in the killing? I'm sure it was going on, amen? And in verse number one of chapter number three, just before this, God had told him, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And in verse number one, I'm going to help you out a whole lot. Verse number one said, And Joshua rose early in the morning. Everyone say he rose up early. The Hebrew word for rose up early there said, says and means that he started packing up. He started packing up and loading up early. I wonder how many of you here this morning is packed up and ready for your move. I wonder how many is packed up and ready to go right now. You ain't got to wait no time whatsoever. If God said move right now, you can move. You're ready to go. You're packed up in your prayer life. You're packed up in your praise life. You're packed up in your worship life. You're packed up in your spiritual knowledge. You're packed up in your Bible study. You're packed up in the power of Almighty God. Every morning in Africa, there is a gazelle that wakes up and it knows in itself by nature that it has to run faster than the fastest line that there is in that territory and every line that wakes up their nose that they got to run a little faster than any slowest gazelle that there is and if they don't they ain't going to eat. I want you to know there's a bunch of people in the church right now they still laying in the bed asleep turn around and look real good. Some of them still in the bed right now on Sunday and it's after 11 o'clock. How in the world can you slap God in the face and tell God it ain't worth you getting up out of the bed to come to the house of God and honor him one time a week. 
Many of them are still sitting there and they ain't packed up. If God was to show up and tell them to come up right now, they ain't got their goods together and they won't meet Jesus up in the air. We need to realize that every morning we got to wake up and we got to get up and we got to fight. It's not a day for you to get up and everything be wonderful and lovely. Jesus said in your life you're going to have trouble. Wake up knowing you're going to have trouble. Knowing that when that trouble comes, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't walk without you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll carry you wherever you're at. And I'll put a hedge around you. And whatever hell tries to do in your life, he will not accomplish it. I will be with you. And I will prove to the world you're my child and I'm your God. Whether you're a lion or a gazelle, when the sun comes up, you better start running. Some of y'all need to quit laying down in the bed so long. Accepting the day as it is. Rise up and win the battle every moment. Every step you take, you win the battle. Amen. It's time for you to start packing up because you're about to move. It's time for you to get things in the truck and let's get it going. Amen. Now, God, uh, Joshua himself, he didn't request an extension of time. When it come, when it, the call came, when the sun rose up, he didn't get up and say, well, Lord, I don't feel like it today. The Bible said that he got up and he started packing up and he got ready to go. And God is expecting his church in 2022 to rise up and get expected to go. Someone shout out and say amen. amen. He did not ask to go another way. God said, you go this way, and he went that way. That's our problem. When God tells us to go do something other, we want to negotiate with God. And God said, you don't negotiate with me. I own you, and you gave your life to me. Now you do what I say. We need to quit debating with God. We need to quit trying to negotiate with God. We need to get on up in the morning, not yes. ask for an extension. We need to be Johnny, do let's go. And we need to get up and go yes. forward and quit asking God for an extension or for another way out. He didn't call a caucus and go out and get a commission and call all of his brothers and sisters and say, do you think that it's right for me to get up this morning? He knew that God had spoke and it was yes. time to get up and move. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, God's been talking to you. He's been talking to this church. When are you going to get up here? When are you going to roll up out of the bed? Yes, for God. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1. Arise, shine. There's a brand new day that's coming. The darkness is all over the world and it's getting darker. But the glory and the light of God is going to shine on you. It's a brand new day. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Get up out of the bed. Yes, amen. My gracious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Without argument, without delay, he prepared to march. He didn't argue about it. The Bible says that he got up early in the morning. Everybody say it was in the morning. That Hebrew word there don't just mean the breaking of the day. It means when he saw that the ground was ready. He saw that it was ready. When people were ready, he got up and he went out and he done what he needed to do. And he did it without argument, without delay. And he didn't beg God to give him more time. He said, I got a job to do and I'm going to get it done. He said, God, you gave me a promise and I'm going to put you to the test. You told me you were going to be with me like you were Moses. And I'm going to see if you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. Slap that right beside and say, you got to get ready to move now. Look at that next word there. It said Joshua rose up early in the morning and they removed from Shittim. Everybody say they moved, removed from Shittim. That that word removed there in the Hebrew, that word removed there literally means he pulled up his tent pegs and he started on his journey. Some of y'all been camping out where you've been camping out long enough. 
You've been camping out on that death that happened in your family way too long. You've been camping out on losing your house way too long. You've been camping out on how bad your children are way too long. You've been camping out in that encampment way too long. It's time for you to get up and pull up your tent peg, take that their tent, wrap it up, and say, all right, let's get on the go. Let's go. It's time to start the journey. Look at that right beside him and say, let's go start on the journey. Amen. So he rose up early in the morning, and he removed himself from Shittim. That word means acacia wood. Many of you don't understand that, but acacia wood is a thorn bush. It's the same wood that the Ark of the Covenant was made out of. So he got up early in the morning, he started packing up, and he says, I am going to get out of this thorn bush and these thorns that I've been living in my life. How many of you want to get out of them thorny places that has been holding you back in your life? Let me tell you a story. Daddy come home one Saturday, and I was sitting there watching the baseball game. We didn't have a whole lot of time to, to enjoy things. And he walked in there. Everybody was gone. I was the only one at home. And he walked out there, and he, he went in there, and he grabbed his tackle box, and he started walking out of the house. And I looked at him. He was walking out. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going fishing. I said, can I go? He said, no. I said, I ain't been by myself all week. I'm going, and I'm going to enjoy myself for an hour or two. If you go down there, son, I'm going to bury your ears. That means he's going to bury my ears. <laughs> I sat in the window and I watched him as he went down. He got his chain pulled down and he started walking down that dirt road down to the pond back behind the house. And I thought I was going to be smart. So I jumped up there and I got him on the hip of him. And I got my little cane pole and I started walking behind him. And Daddy knew I was right behind him. And, 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 and as he was walking, he stopped and he turned like this and I dive off the road <laughs> One time he stopped and I turned and I dived off over there and sand. I dived off into a thorn bush. Uh -oh. And I tried to get up out of that thing, tell me, and it had me trapped and I went to screaming in the horror. Oh, daddy, daddy, oh, my Lord. And daddy thought I had been bit by a snake and I heard his footsteps coming running where I was at. And he looked at me down there and he reached down there and he grabbed me and jerked me out of the different He just ripped me my skin all the way down. Mm -hmm. If you followed me. I said, you said you was going to burn my ears. And here I am bleeding all over the place. So he buried my ears. And I learned not to follow daddy when he said, shut up. How many of you don't want to be living in them thorn bushes any longer? How many is tired of the pain that them thorns cause in your life? I'm going to tell you what, right now, the church right now has got to get up and rise up early That's and get right. up out of shit. we got to rise up. That is a place in our life that is holding us back. And Moses has died in Joshua now. has got to get up and lead the church out of the thorns. And God is calling pastors and preachers in this hour right now to stand up in a brand new way, in a brand new ministry, in a brand new era, in a brand new move of Almighty God and change the way people are living and jerk them out of the thorn bush so they can go forward and Yes, so they removed from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. Everybody said they came to the Jordan. They came to the Jordan. The word Jordan is the, in Hebrew it means the descender, but it actually truly in the Hebrew means the river of judgment. Oh, that's mighty powerful. So they got out of the thorn bush and they come down to the river of judgment. Now God is about to judge some things in their life. 
The Bible says that one of the reasons why that they were in Egypt for 430 years and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years is because the evil and the iniquity of the Canaanites had got come to the full. Now God is about to judge your enemies. You have been in transition all this long a time and God has been trying to teach you how to come from the ending through the neutral zone to the new beginning. And now God has erected a courtroom right in front of you in your life and now God is about to jam the jam the gavel down and rule against your enemies and it's time for the church to get excited about it. But we got to get up early and come out of the thorn bush and stand at the river of judgment and wait for God to do something. Amen. And the Bible goes on there and it says, and they lodged there before they passed over it. That word lodge means they stood there in the darkness. In reality, in the Hebrew, it means they stood at the threshold. How long have we been talking about the threshold in this church? For too long. We are standing in the threshold. A threshold in a house is the darkest place that there is in a house. It is right there before you move from one room to another room. It is right there when you move from one state to another state. When you are standing at the threshold, everything that is your past is behind you and everything that is your future is right there in front of you. Now, God has got us in the neutral zone where we're standing at the threshold and now he's telling you, get ready. There's coming a brand new beginning. Amen. Get ready. Amen. And in verse number three, I'll read verse number two. It says, it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people. Everybody say they commanded them. Amen. That word in the Hebrew means they set forth and constituted a new law. They didn't just task them that if they were going to go do it. They said, this is the law. This is a brand new law. Moses is dead. Now this is a brand new law. Look at somebody say, we're living under a new law. They commanded him and they established the law. And look what he said next. He said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. That word in the Hebrew for when you see is when you began to see the vision of the harvest. When you began to see something out there that you know is yours. When you began to get your eyes located and locked in on your promised land. And you know what's out there. He said, when you see the ark of the covenant of Almighty God. When you began to get a vision on the inside of you. When you see that ark, which yeah. the word ark means the box of order. It means the light necessary to put things in order. Yeah. When you see that harvest out there and how you got to get your life yeah. together to go get your harvest, he said, I want you as yeah. it is carried in the covenant with God, yeah. everything that is literally my presence that he feeds you and yeah. sustains you. And the priests are literally opening up the seed in front of you and they're bearing and lifting up yeah. the standard of the harvest that's coming your way. He yeah. said, look what he said there. He he said, when you see the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and you got to go after it. Amen. That word remove means you got to pick up your tent pegs. That's right. You got to pack up and get ready to go up. Amen. How many is getting packed up right now? How many is getting ready to go up right now? He said, you got to pull up your tent page. You got to start on your journey. You got to get the condition and your mind and your body to the point to where you rise up. You cannot be asleep in 2022. You cannot give up in 2022. You've got to flex your Holy Ghost muscles and let hell know you're going to get your promise, man. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Everybody slap that right side and say, go after it. Tell another, say, go after it. Oh my God, church wise up and speak up to the Lord and say, I'm going to go after it. That word in the Hebrew means I'm going to walk the message. Amen. That means I'm the message. Is every place that I put my foot is mine. God 
no longer. I've been waiting on I've been standing on the threshold all this time. I will not wait no more because I'm walking the message. Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody just call out and say, go after it. Then in verse number four, he Woo. said, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, Thank about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you see, the covenant of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was symbolic of God's presence going before you. And God is saying, Don't you move too quick, because if you move too quick, you'll get your focus off of my presence. That's right. And the reason why you need to put your eyes and focus on my presence is because you ain't come this way before. You're about to step into something that you ain't never stepped into in your life. You're about to experience the power of God you ain't never experienced before in your life. You're going to have a healing that you ain't never had before in your life. You're going to see the glory of God you ain't never seen in your life. You're going to see the angels of God take a place that you ain't never seen in your life. You're going to see God do something inside of your life that you've never seen before. You ain't never walked this way before. this way before. The psalmist said in Psalm 32 and 8, he said, I will instruct you, I'll teach you in the way, and that you shall go, and I will guide you with my eye. God wants you on his presence so, and you'll focus on him so, that when you start to take a step off the wrong way, he'll just look at you and you straighten back up. God said, I'll lead you, I'll instruct you, I'll give you the way. You don't have to ask brother so-and-so what I need to do. Keep your eyes on the presence of God. Keep your eyes on the Lord, I wish I could preach this. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God. Thank you. Lord. For three days, they camped out there beside that river. And for three days, they watched that river rise up. I don't know about you, but if you're standing at a raging torrent of impossible circumstances in your life and you are seeing it rise up and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Let me share with you, you got two choices. You can either be full of fear and look at all the obstacles and say you can't do it or you can rise up in faith and say just as soon as I got the opportunity to move, I'm moving in the power of Almighty God. Ask your neighbor right beside you, say what are you focused on? Ask another, say what are you focused on? Just a little while ago, I preached a message that said that Joshua got a vertical vertical vision. That Joshua got a vertical vision. You need to keep your eyes on the vertical power of Almighty God. Get your eyes on the presence of God. It matters not how high the river Jordan flows in your life. It matters not how much the devil comes against you with a flood. God said when the enemy comes against you like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against you. It don't matter. You can sit there and watch it growing up. But God said the higher it gets, the more it gets. He said, I will raise up a standard against it. I will deliver you no matter what hell tries to do. Oh my God, I wish that I could preach to a church that was full of the spirit of power of Almighty God. Fear sees the obstacle, but faith sees your opportunity. And whatever you're focused on is what you're going to let rule your life. That's right. Amen. In the wilderness, they had followed the Shekinah glory of God. The pillar of a cloud 
and a pillar of fire. But now, the way they follow God has changed. Bless the him. Ark of the Covenant now is being led to a do The way God is going to minister to his church in 2022 is going to be different than he's ever done it before. We're going to have to follow God a different way than we've yes, ever done before. God is beginning to introduce a new way. In the wilderness, it was always in the middle of the crowd that the ark was. Now the ark is taken out of the middle of the crowd and brought to the front of the crowd. God is going to take what he's been doing in the yes. midst of us and pull it right on the open display. And he's going to say, look at what I've done while you've been sitting there sleeping in your bed. I have raised up a Joshua and now I'm going to carry him in Focus on the ark. Praise God. Don't you focus on that impossible river. Because there's nothing impossible with God. You go after the presence of God. If you don't sit out, you're never going to arrive. If you don't get up, you ain't never going to get there. If you wait too long, you're literally not going to begin your life. Some of you on the sound of my voice, you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, and you ain't begin living yet. Because your focus has been wrong. Elisha left it all and followed Elijah for 20 years and put his focus on Elijah and did everything that Elijah told him to do because he wanted a double portion. You can get it all and you can get it, but yes, you're going to get it all, but it don't get it all at once. It takes some time for you to put your focus on the Lord. Sometimes you got to step up and go where you don't know that you're going to. Sometimes you got to deal with people you don't have no earthly idea who you're going to have to deal with. Sometimes you just have to know who and what you're following. Thank God that I'm following the power of Almighty God. He said, you've not passed this way before. But Joshua now is leading them into the unfamiliar. He's leading them in a new way. He's leading them in a place that they've never been before. He's leading them out into a new territory. And he's leading them under a new territory. But if you don't leave your comfort zone and step out in faith and you begin to tackle your new frontiers and challenges and you know the presence that you're following, if you don't know that there, you're never going to possess your promised land. Amen. There were new difficulties ahead. There's going to be some difficulties ahead for you in this year. Bless him, Lord. There were some things that changed and new orders were given. There's new orders that are being given from the throne room of God to the church today. Bless a new distance was instituted. He did that there so everybody could see. God has been leading his church by the vision of a man or a woman. But God said, I, in this year, I'm going to begin to take everybody that's in my church and I'm going to bring them together in one vision. And they're going to start talking one message. And the very power of communication, the power of unity, is going to allow them to build a stronghold in Jesus Christ so big that we can do anything we set our mind to do. Amen. Praise God. He went on and he said, tomorrow... The Lord will do wonders among you. Praise God. Somebody say that with me. Say, tomorrow, tomorrow. the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, what he said is, is it's time. Everybody just holler at somebody and say, it's time. Say it again. Say, it's time. One more time. Church, holler out. Say, it's time. 
It's time for Betty Riley to be healed from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. It's time for Tim Riley. Yeah. It's Tim, uh, I ain't saying called Tim Sealy up here, to have more power than he's ever had in his life, to have more money than he's ever had in his life. It's time for living with a worship center to put their foot on the neck of their enemy. It's yeah. time for us to go into our promised land and burn down our yeah. Jericho. It's time for us to walk through and yeah. go through all these and take back what Smile at somebody say it's time for you. That word wonders there means, get this, not just amazing things, but in the original Hebrew, when you carry it all the way deep, it means to plead judgment by speaking in authority. It's time that God is going to open up his voice, open up his mouth, and speak into your life. And when God says that hell is going to bow down, God is about to rule on your behalf. Wonders is coming your way. Amen. Let's read on just a little bit. For In verse 4, he said, There shall be a space between you about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto you. You might know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Slap that right beside you. Say, Get yourself right. Verse number 6 said, And Joshua spoken to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that you may know that I, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye shall come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. In chapter number 1, he told God, and told Joshua, he said, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Now Joshua has moved in that promise. And God said, This day, this day, I am going to show you, and you're going to know what it means to walk in my promise. Oh, my God, church, am anybody hearing me today? This is the day that God said, I am going to tell you and show you what it means to walk in my promise. Mm -hmm. And he told him, he said, you stand still in the Jordan. But everybody just say, I got to stand still in the Jordan. What did I tell you the river of Jordan was? It was the river of judgment. Stand still in the judgment of Almighty God. Let's read on just a little bit. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you in the Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every man a tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of your feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, and the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the water that come down from you, and they shall stand upon you as a heap. He said, I will without fail deliver you. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, without fail, without fail. God's going to deliver you. And he gave you seven things he's going to deliver you from. He said, first off, I'm going to deliver you from them Canaanites. <laughs> them Canaanites is the people that humiliate you in your life and the devil that humiliates you. Things that has brain humiliation in your life. 
Then he goes further. He said, I'm going to bring you and deliver you from your Hittites. That's the people that break you down with confusion and with fear. He said, I'm going to take every fearful spirit, every spirit of confusion, and I'm going to deliver you from it in 2022. I, I got a church that ain't happy about nothing. God is going to do it on Saturday. <laughs> the third thing that God said he was going to deliver you from is a bunch of them Hivites. That's them people that has made decorations about you. They said that Tim wasn't never going to mount to anything. They said that Tina wasn't never going to be able to do this. Said that Eva wasn't never going to be this and all that stuff. God said, I'm going to stop that curse in its place and I'm going to deliver you. He went on and he said, I'm going to deliver you from the parasites. That means one that tears down your walls and after he tears down your wall, he moves in your village and he stays to terrorize you. That devil that has come in and tore down your walls in your life, God said, I'm going to take it out of your life this year. Someone shout out at me. He heard the sights. He said, I'm going to deliver you from them. He said, those are them devils that sit up there on a high place and throw you over in quicksand. Every time you try to take a step, you go down deeper. Every time you try to move, you go down deeper. But God, God said, I'm going to reach down with my hand and I'm yes. pulling you out of the quicksand. And I'm sending you out of the deep admiring clay and I'm sending you on yes. the higher ground. Thank you, Lord. My God, this is a powerful word from God if you'll get it. Then he said, I'm going to deliver you from the Amorites. Those are ones that are spoken to you in covenant. That's the devils in your life that you have went into agreement with. And they have come into your life and possessed your things. And they have killed things in God. God said them devils ain't going to be able to move in your life anymore. Even though you might have made a covenant with you've been in allegiance with them in the past. And they got a rightful legal place in your life. He said, our five weapons are powerful through God. And I'm going to tear down their stronghold in the name of Jesus. Then he said, I'm going to deliver you from the Jebusites. Thank you, Lord. The Jebusites is them that trample you down and hold you pinned up. Bless him, Lord. Tie you up like an old calf in the stall. Jesus, Jesus. God is going to tear you and deliver you Jesus. from all of that stuff. Thank you, Lord. Why? Because the ark of the Lord of the whole earth Thank you, Lord. passes before you. Amen. Thank you, Father God. He's going into your territory before you take the first step. And he said, when the priests get into the river, wherever their feet rest, as long as they are rested there in that river, he said, I will cut off the waters from above and you will cross over on dry land. Some theologian says that up at the city of Adam that a limestone a cliff broke loose and come down and dammed up the Jordan River. And I'm not saying that didn't happen. But let me share with you, it had to be God that called that limestone cliff to come down at the right time and to literally come in there because water will go through limestone as time goes on. And if that would have happened, it would have only been three hours. But what I like about it is the Bible says not only did that water dam up, it said that they crossed over on dry ground. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of any natural phenomenon that can take a riverbed immediately and dry it up enough to where an army of six million people can go across it. So my God, said I'm about to do some miraculous things for you in your life I'm coming with some supernatural artillery and I'm going to lead you through it but you have got to stand in the river of Jordan you got to stand in my judgment you have got to enforce the judgment of the cross of Jesus Christ on every enemy that there was in your life he said I have defeated every one of them devils I took every handwritten of ordinance that there was on against you and I nailed it to the cross and I carried it to the grave and I carried it to hell and Moses died and now Jesus rose back up yes amen Thank you, Lord. Praise God. 
She said, so where are you stand at? Stand in my judgment. Just tell your neighbor right beside say, stand still. He said, and when you stand still, I'll cut off the water. That word in the Hebrew for cut off means I'll divorce the water. I'll cause it to separate. I'll divorce it. All those things that is, 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 is in your life threatening to drown you, God is saying, I'm going to divorce you from it. Amen. Oh, my God, y'all need to be shouting. God said all those covenants with your enemies, all those words the enemy spoke, all the actions that the enemies brought in your life, every wall that they tore down, every castle that they built, everything that has come against you. He said, when you stand still in my judgment in the river of Jordan, as you stand still, you don't know where you're going, but you're standing still. He said, I will divorce you from every bit of it. And when you are instructed and commanded by me to take a step forward, at that point, you'll leave it on the other side of the Jordan It'll never bother you again. Everybody just want to say, get ready for 100% deliverance in 2022. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Bible says that the water stood up in a heap. And I'm almost finished. That's going to become significant to you tonight because when you come back tonight, I'm going to show you what God is going to do to you at that point. A heap is where they took rocks and they put it over a grave. So God is saying, I am burying all this mess that has, the devil has brought in your life, and I'm burying it for you right now. My God, we ought to be shouting, jumping all over this way. God said, I have come to deliver you, and I'm going to deliver you. And when I do so, I'm going to leave a monument to let you know that it's over with. Thank you, Lord. Look at verse 14 through 16. I'll hush real quick. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents. Everybody say, they removed from their tents. They pulled up their tent pegs. They got packed up and they got ready to move. And they were doing so so they could pass over the river of Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they bear the Ark were coming to Jordan and at the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Everybody say they were on the edge. They were on the edge. For the Jordan overflowed all its banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zarethan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, filled and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. I've read that all my life, and it never hit me in my head. Later on, Jericho was taken by this army. And this army, one time a day, would go out and they would circle Jericho. Wouldn't say anything. I often thought to myself, if Jericho was such a great city, why in the world didn't they just run on out there and mop the field up with them? I got my answer this week. God said, when I brought them people out over the River Jordan, I brought it right, I brought them out right in front of the eyes of their enemy in Jericho. And they had saw God deliver the nation of Israel across the flood-ridden Jericho. They had saw these priests across the water carry an ark and stand on the edge. And when they stood on the edge, all of a sudden, dry ground appeared. They knew they were dealing with something a whole lot more powerful than what they were. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to tell you, the devil knows by what God is about to do in your life that he's dealing with something a whole lot more powerful than what you are and what they are. God is on your side and the ark of the covenant of the Lord is going before you and he is going to heat up those waters and you're going to go right across and set right into your territory in the presence of your enemy. And my God said through the psalmist, he said, I will set you down right in front of your enemy and your enemy be standing right there looking at you and I'll serve you an eight-course meal and it takes some time to serve an eight-course meal. I'll set you and show them that I'm your God and they better not play with me. So this year, get ready for the Lord to tell the devil, you better not play with him in the water no more. You better not play with him in the no more. You better not stick your hand in the Tennessee life no more. You better get out of their people's finances. You better get out of their family. You better get out of their situation. You better get out of their condition. I am going after the very power of Almighty God. You know why? You know why? Because it's nothing else. It's going to stand on the edge. And I stand on the edge. The devil's going to see what's going on. Look at somebody out the side and say, I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge. The devil is going to see the power of Almighty God as he brings you forward and brings you out of your transition and leaves you in the promised land. Push that neighbor out of the side and say, stand on the edge. If you can't do nothing else, Stand on the edge. Thank you. You don't know what to do next. Stand on the edge. Woo! When you do everything that they told you to do, it don't look like it's working. Stand on the edge. When you don't feel it's working, stand on the edge. When you don't see it's working, stand on the edge. The reason why you got to stand on the edge, he's got to get every one of your enemies and their focus on you. They got to say, look at that dummy out yonder standing up there looking like they're going to come across that Jericho. They've lost their ever-loving mind. And then all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, the supernatural power of God got separated out and six million people walked into their territory. No, I wouldn't go out and fight them. No, I wouldn't want to fight them. I would see somebody in this house standing on the edge. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. No further than the edge. Stand, Stand on the edge. God to construct the divine dam, dam up everything from hell. If you'll just dip your foot into the promise of God. Amen. Stand on the edge. Train when you can't do nothing else. Stand on the edge. Pat when you tried everything else and you can't do nothing else. Just stand on the edge. Thank you, Lord. Keep your eyes on the princess. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. He'll deliver you. Yes, he will. Thank you, Lord. And he'll do it right in front of your enemy. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. He'll push there to be Jesus out of your enemy. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. He'll demand so much respect from your enemy that your enemy wouldn't attack you if he tried. If he had the opportunity, he would back off of you. Thank you. Boy, I want to preach Jericho again because now I can see those people in the walls of Jericho 
trembling in fear, said, what are they going to do next? Lord, have mercy. That's our art that I just saw out there across the Jericho and the water separate. What's going to happen here next? I'm sure everybody in that place stood still and just paid attention. There is coming an hour as I shut up. There is coming an hour in the church right now that the world is going to stand still and see what God is doing with his people. Thank you, Lord. You can't do nothing else. Stand on the edge. So everybody stand with me. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. I want you to lay your hand on their shoulder. Tell them, stand on the edge. Stand on the edge. I'm going to pray for you that God will give you the strength and the faith to go forward and stand on your edge. That's all God is wanting you to do right now, stand on the edge. Father, in the name of Jesus, I have preached this word. I brought it forward. I've taught it. I brought it out like you asked me to do so. Today, every heart, soul, mind, and body is receptive. Every heart, soul, mind, and body is receiving. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we know that you are commissioning us to stand on the edge. We've been at the threshold. Now we're moving forward and we're going to stand on the edge. God, now in the power of your spirit, I pray, Lord, that you'll give the faith, the strength to each one that has stood and heard under the sound of my voice today. Father, that they'll be able to go forward and stand on the edge. Father, give them the clear vision that they can keep their eyes on the presence of Almighty God. Father, I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'll take this word and you'll make it happen in 2022. God, thank you for every enemy that you're going to deliver us from. Thank you, Lord, for every walled town that's falling down right at our feet. Thank you, Lord, for putting the fear of God in our enemy. Lord, thank you for a brand new way, a brand new direction, a brand new anointing, a brand new era, a brand new power from you. Go with us. Lead God and direct us. Bring us back in love and in unity tonight so we'll know what the next thing we got to do so that we can go forward and deliver ourselves through your power that we can move forward. Thank God that we're going to have some folks in this church that's going to get packed up, that's going to get ready to go, and they're moving. Thank God that they're going to come out the thorn bush. Thank God that in this hour, in this hour, Lord, you're going to give them the strength to stand in the river of judgment while you pass judgment on our enemy. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Use us. Take this word. Bind it on our finger. Write it upon our tablets of our heart. Put it ever before our eyes. We'll give you the glory for it all. Lead God and direct us. Bring us back in love and in unity. Come tonight at 6 o'clock. Let everyone have a power that they've never had today in Jesus' name. And if the church accepts that, say amen. Give God a good hand clap of praise. Six o'clock tonight.